si gira Cristante trova in aria Petagna l'apertura per Gomez grande controllo col sinistro rientra sul destro prova il destro e che destro mamma che gol 2 a 0 This wonderful goal was scored by Alejandro Dario Gomez, better known as Papu Gomez in the Europa League against Everton in 2017. In his first season with the Nerazzurri, Papu Gomez helped Atalanta avoid relegation despite their shocking defense, contributing three goals and two assists. The following season saw Papu lead his club in both goals and assists, seven and six respectively, this was more like the impressive Papu that had played for Catania previously. That year Atalanta finished 13 in the league. In 2016-2017, Papu scored 16 goals and helped Atalanta secure a fourth spot finish, smashing all previous expectations. Following the departure of Raimundi, Papu was given the captain's armband. In 2018-2019, Atalanta finished third in the league. In 2019, they made the Coppa Italia final, and in 2019-2020, Papu had a record number of assists in Serie A with 16. Now things were going very well for Atalanta and Papu Gomez and it seemed like their whole fairy tale story would start and finish together, you know, in a romantic, happy way. But during a Champions League game in halftime against Mitteland, excuse the pronunciation, um, a heated argument with Gasperini occurred. Apparently he was not happy with Papu Gomez's positioning on the pitch and Papu refused to um, change that or address that. Eventually he was subbed out and he featured a few more times for Atalanta before um, stating that he could no longer work with Gasperini and eventually even said that Gasperini had attacked him. It's an interesting article, I suggest you look it up. Eventually he was sold to Sevilla and Gasperini refused to sell him to a Serie A rival and um, he has since scored four goals in 25 games for Sevilla, to be honest, rather disappointingly. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw him back in Serie A in the near future. So hello and welcome to episode 21 of Serie A Spotlight We're your hosts Matt and Jake. So in the last episode I said that that was episode 21 but obviously that wasn't and it was episode 20 so I fucked up. Please don't hate me. It's fine, it's fine. Um, we used the intro from that episode that I had recorded alone and um, hope you enjoyed that without Matt. A little bit monotone, gives you a taste, a little bit boring, but that's that's what the whole episode would have been like, basically. <laughs> yeah, that would have been a fucking nightmare. But yeah, you gave you gave a, a great intro over there, some, some good information. So I won the prediction series this time, guys. His first one. Yep, 7-5. I guess the, the score of Inter against Lazio, 2-1 to, to Inter. I had so, 3-1. You said three. Yeah, I see. Unlucky, uh, unlucky. Yeah, you you underrated Lazio. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> um, remember to follow us, guys, at Serie A Spotlight on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, anywhere basically. YouTube. Um, yeah, ask us your questions, give us your hot takes. We're happy to reply and to engage. For sure. So we're gonna jump straight into it because there's the Coppa Italia final tonight. So kind of gonna dish this one out so we're gonna start from the Roma Juventus game which ended up uh, 4-3 victory for Juve at the Olimpico so the previous encounter was a 1-0 win to Juve in the Allianz Arena so Juve have really placed themselves ahead of Roma this season where you know both teams both top teams struggling so Juve kind of have the the upper hand over here yeah. And they have also beaten Roma in eight of their last ten 
league matches, so no surprises there really. Yeah, Juve have actually won three in a row against Roma now for the first time since 2014. Um, you know how recently we discussed that Milan haven't beaten another team as many times as they've beaten Roma? Uh-huh. Juve have the same stat. Juve have oh, now wow. defeated Roma the most in Serie A with 84 wins and rank second in goals scored against them. 270 goals against Roma. Only Inter have more with 287. Roma just love getting fucking shafted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they love getting destroyed and humiliated. Yep, but it was Roma who started the game off well and well. They they did have a, a decent performance over here. Yeah, shall we just skim through the goals quickly? Yep, sure. So in the 11th minute, Tammy Abraham opened the scoring with a header after a very two corner. In the 18th minute, so soon after, Dybala scored a curler from outside the area. Lovely goal over there. There's 1-1 one, one going into the break, but in the 48th minute, Mkhitaryan... As deflected shot hit the back of the net, making it 2-1 to Roma. In the 53rd, Pellegrini scored a wonderful fucking free kick, making it 3-1 to Roma. Yeah, obviously high, high hopes for Roma at this point. In the 70th, Locatelli capitalized uh, after a Morata cross, some brilliant work by Morata over there, Locatelli scoring through a header. Kulusevski had some VAR drama two minutes later, Morata was thought to be offside, but turns out he wasn't, so the goal stood. Five minutes later, in the 77th, Desilio scored a lovely goal, making it 4-3 to Juve. A great turn of events over there. Desilio with the winner. That's uh, crazy. But we're not, even, we're not even done yet. No, we're not. We're only just getting started. In the 81st minute, Roma were awarded a penalty and subsequently Delict was sent off for handling the ball uh, in the area. And in the 83rd minute, Szczesny saved Pellegrini's penalty and Pellegrini messed up the rebound. So where the fuck do we even start, man, when it comes to our talking points for this game? I think we should start off by saying that Juve have finally shown a little bit of grinta, a little bit of balls, no man. Um, We're so used to seeing lacklustre performances from them, them going 1-0 up early and then kind of like tightening up at the back and then conceding a goal and like losing points this was a breath of fresh air from Juve I have to say yep and I think all round is definitely going to give the team some confidence and some momentum going because in seven minutes they really turned the game around they looked like they had the well Roma looked like they had the upper hand on that point and seven minutes Juve totally turned the game around yeah definitely definitely Uh, it was a shame to see Chiesa tearing his ACL by the way he has six months out Um, that's a shame for Juve it's a shame for the national team um, he's going to be missed, for sure. He's definitely going to be missed. I was enjoying watching him. He's been a bit on and off with injuries this season, but he's always a joy to watch when he's on the pitch. You've um, are going to be heavily impacted by that. So, What do you think po- changes? Well... Th- you know, Juve are going to need to sign another striker now, even though they, they have been in talks for a striker for a while and, and they've yeah. they have apparently got their hands on the striker. The Israeli well, guy. No, the Israeli guy. Yeah. Um, well, they're definitely going to need some reinforcements over there. Until then, they're just going to need to make due of Morata and Dybala, judging that if they both stay fit yeah. and the wingers go, go unchanged, but they're really going to miss someone bringing the ball forward for them. For sure, he's their like um, offensive flair, to be honest with you, because Dybala does bring that spark, but he's not as explosive as Chiesa. Exactly. You know, Chiesa's a torpedo going forward. Exactly. I'd want Dybala in the final third, and I'd want Chiesa bringing the ball up like an yeah. absolute horseman. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, what did you think of the penalty at the end? Yeah, I think, you know, the De- delict was a bit clumsy over there. He was a bit unlucky. 
at the same time but you know a, a defender of his caliber should know that he shouldn't stretch his arm out in that area he wasn't even turning so yeah. it was just an extended arm uh, it was the right call and subsequently the penalty and the red card but that didn't change much this has become a bit of a theme um, for Delict and his game uh, you remember when he had just signed for Juve he, he was handling the ball more often than not in the box giving yeah, away many reckless penalties mm-hmm. do you see it as a weakness in his game? Yeah, I definitely see it as a bit of a weakness in his game. Obviously, you know, nobody wants a, a defender that keeps giving away penalties with his hands or, or with yeah. his feet. But particularly in such a, a clumsy manner, I really don't think it's it's a high point in, in Delict's game. You know, he, he's had a bit of a, a tough time recently over the past two, three games. But we saw glimpses of, of hope for Delict earlier on the season where he looked kind of decent yeah. as well. So... A lot can change. Juve are a bit, you know, tight with injuries at the back as well. Bonucci and Chiellini in and out, naturally, with their age, these things are going to happen. So they really need uh, Delict to find some consistency. So Raiola has been moving his mouth a lot, like a rat recently, (laughs) uh, as he always does. And he said that um, Delict is not happy at Juve and that um, he will probably be leaving. How much do you see him going for? Because I've heard like 80 million, 100 million. Like No, absolutely like. not, man. Um, I would say in the region, because of today's market, I think it'd go around, you know, 40 million. I think he's 22 years old. Yeah, 22 years old. I think... He's rated fair, highly. He he's is, rated, he is highly. rated highly. He was the captain of Ajax. Um, yeah. Moved to Juve. You know, his CV is fantastic. His age is good. His experience is still good. I personally would be... Happy if my team picked him up for 60 million at most, I guess I would say. Yeah, and my team not being Milan, okay? This of course. Time, I'm talking <laughs> about like a PSG or a City or something like that. Uh, 60 million, I, I wouldn't pay more personally. Yeah, I wouldn't pay more than 60 million. I th- uh, To be honest, they could definitely get him cheaper than that considering his form. But yeah, I mean, he's 22 years old. The guy was born in 1999, in August of 1999. Think about so. the longevity that centre-backs have. Yeah, for sure. And centre-backs are at their peak at fucking 30 years old. So the guy's got a lot to learn. He was around Bonucci and Chiellini for a while. Yeah. So, yeah, br- bright future ahead for him. And, and I, I hope that his next move would be a lucrative one for yeah. him. Yeah. Thoughts on Chesney? So Chesney's a beast from the fucking spot, man. That's his second penalty save the season. And they were both against Roma. So one was against Veretout, which was the first penalty miss for Veretout and with Roma. And this one was against Pellegrini. Pellegrini, obviously, one of the stars of Serie A and definitely mm. the, the star of Roma. So he does this thing, man, he drops his shoulder one way, drops it another, really throws the yeah. striker off, and subsequently Pellegrini missed the rebound as well. Yeah, he wiggles, he wiggles um, just as the guy starts the run-up. Um, also, he trash talks before they take it. He Every does. single time, watch him, he's chatting shit the entire time to the penalty taker. It's very... Very fun to see a shithouse like that. that. That's definitely, you know, one thing he brings to Juve's game. We, we all know how, you know, rocky he is at times, but he has his forte. It's from the penalty spot and massive, massive say in this game. He got them yeah. three points. And massive getting his vaccination finally, by the way. Oh, well done, Chesney. Congratulations, Chesney. Congratulations, dude. Oh, well, he wasn't feverish for the game, yeah. so that's a strong immune fine, system. Um, players hide De Chilio when he scores, man. <laughs> I think it's such a shock yeah. when someone like De Chilio scores a goal like that. The first reaction is just to throw him on the ground and just like jump on pile him. on him. Yep. 
Yeah. It's a shame because they really didn't let him like celebrate. He, they, he didn't have his moment. He didn't have I, it at all. They took must, it away from he him. He must have told them something after the game. Like, come on, guys, a knee slide or something. Yeah. Just just let me, you know, a punch bump the air. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a little let bit. Kick Jesus. the corner flag or something. I was going to drop to Allegri, man. I was going <laughs> to hug him and get my place back. I had a t shirt prepared and everything. <laughs> Roma would be pissed, though, man, I think. I think Roma have, have every sure. reason. I think Mourinho has every reason to be pissed more than anything. I mean, they were 3 1 up against Juve and went home empty handed. Yeah, I think the same thing we said about Juve's Grinta has to, has to mirror what Roma did. They conceded three goals in seven minutes. You know what I mean? The Ligt was sent off and they weren't able to capitalize after that. You know, there were like six minutes of, of added time over there. Yeah. They, they had around 15 minutes to get back into the game and they failed to do so. So as lovely as it was by Juve, Roma really needed to step it up over there. And this was a problem of mentality, you know, and how does Mourinho deal with this problem of mentality? He says that only money can buy mentality of course. and that rich clubs can cycle through players until they land on the strongest ones. Um, it's funny that he said that considering Roma spent one billion in the last Literally, years. We, we, he didn't listen to our last podcast, yeah. man. Uh, last episode <laughs> he totally should but in in reality they have it hasn't been his money you know they haven't been his signings but i guess at the end of the day i guess the coach's job is to instill a mentality into the players you know yeah like you go 3-1 up fucking mm-hmm. go home with at least a draw yeah well tammy was his signing and yeah. he's definitely played a massive part in Mourinho's set piece routines yeah and also that fucking thing that he does his man. poaching instinct the way he like flinches his leg in the last moment to get just the slightest touch on the ball and guide into the back of the net yeah. that's that's gorgeous I and mean, he did it twice against Milan um, one of them resulting in a goal and this time he did it off Smalling's head um, and he actually got a goal yeah, and, and he also put one over the bar with his knee, man, yeah. with, with, with his thigh. I don't know if you remember that. Um, Tammy, Tammy is, is great in those situations. He, he tends to place himself where the ball is going to be headed mm-hmm. by his teammates. So he kind of gets in the way, almost like he's going to block it, but he positions himself, obviously, in such a way to, to turn the ball goalwards. And I think this leads us to the conversation of Mourinho's set pieces have been solid, man. They have, they have. And they have that guy from Porto coming in, Oliveira, and I think they're going to get even better at them because he's a dead ball specialist, this guy. Wow. So Roma are going to be super dangerous from corners and set pieces, as they already have been, to be honest with you. Yep, Maitland-Niles made his debut for Roma, another one of Mourinho's signings, with the the six-month dry loan. He was okay. He was pretty good. He looked confident on the ball. He looked like he had a point to prove, man. He looked yeah. hungry, and that's yeah. always a good sign. I think when you're under, when you're a young man under Mourinho, same as Felix Afenajan, he had a, a decent game as well. Um, these young guys just want to impress Mourinho, man. Just just like anyone else would. I mean, we you know we we talk we talk trash about him, but one of one of the greatest managers of all time. So rightly yeah. so, people want to impress him. Definitely, he had three tackles, one aerial duel, one. He had um, an 81% pass success rate. Not bad. Not bad at all for the 24-year-old. Absolutely not. In a match against Juventus, a very, you know, coming into this game, it was 50-50. No one knew who was better between Roma and Juve at the time. And no one knew who was worse, which is probably more of a contributing factor over there. Yeah, but for me, this was the match of the season. 
Oh, it was it was great, and the fact that there was a winner in it because we could easily yeah. say Lazio Dinese, but the fact that there was a winner and you know a, a missed penalty towards the end, a red card, it had everything. This game, an yeah. ACL tear, <laughs> yeah, that's that's exhilarating when someone tears his ACL. Yeah. I do think that Roma could have been a bit better in the later stages. I'm going to stress this again, and not only because they had 15 minutes to recover, but I feel like after Morin after Roma went three one up. I don't feel like Mourinho capitalized on making changes soon enough. Yeah. Now this this leads us to a dilemma. If you are three one up and things are going very well, do you just not make a change and don't change a winning system, or do you adapt to to save the lead? I guess hindsight is twenty twenty, and he should have probably made yeah. a few subs, right? Yeah. I th- I think you bring in some more defensive minded players at least. I think aside from the team's mentality, you know. Still being aggressive, still being, you know, playing optimistic football, but just bring on some strength, bring on some extra defenders, just bring on some fresh legs. You're two goals ahead, man, you've got the advantage, you need to hang on to that. So who would you have brought on, bro? Um, remember that Veretu and Cristante started, Afena, John, Pellegrini, Mkhitaryan, they all started in the midfield. Um, the only really defensive option that they had on the bench in midfield as a defensive midfielder was Villar, who's on the way out. Yeah, well, Villar was was still an option, but I think it's it's more of a a question of fatigue rather than changing the formation, bringing in more defenders. For example, we know that Ibanez didn't have his greatest game in yeah. this game. He's he's been a bit off in the past two games. I think you have a lead. You have space to bring on Kumbulla. Ibanez was on a yellow card anyway. Bring on Kumbulla. You could bring on Califiori for Vinya, who was getting, you know, charged by Chiesa. So you could bring on some fresh legs here. And I think Shumorodov could have come on earlier as well. We know the impact he has holding the ball um, up top, so he can waste some time over there as well. Some more physicality, even if he goes to up front. Mm. I think a change in system, a change of personnel is needed after, you know, you're you're 3-1 up with around 30 minutes to go, man. Perhaps it might have been wise to bring on Mayoral. Do you remember that Europa League game we had watched where Mayoral came on and he was just holding the ball up, dribbling players on his own, just holding the ball up, winning foul, just being a pest? I that's, feel like that's something that's they it. could have used. Yeah, 100%, man. 100%. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, some constructive criticism, Jose. Don't take it to heart. So, Juve find themselves in fifth place. They're three points off of fourth spot, which Atalanta currently occupy. However, Atalanta do have that game in hand. Roma, on the other hand, are in 6th place, equal with both Lazio and Fiorentina, and find themselves 9 points off of CL, and Atalanta do have that game in hand as well. So the next game we'll be discussing is Inter 2, Lazio 1. Lazio are actually the only team this season who have bested Inter, um, the last encounter being 3-1 for Lazio. Um, And coming into this game, Inter found themselves behind Milan for the first time since match day 16 after their postponed fixture against Bologna. Inter had only won two of their previous six games versus Lazio coming into this with one draw and three losses. They also kept one clean sheet in that period. So I'm going to quickly run you through the play-by-play. In the 20th minute, there was a goal disallowed because of VAR. In the 30th minute, Bastoni scored uh, an Alexis Sanchez assist. It was a screamer. It was Inter's 50th goal of the season. In the 35th minute... Immobile done did Devry and scored. And in the 67th minute, um, Skriniar scored the winner 
with a bullet header and an assist by Bastoni. A goal and an assist for Bastoni, bro. Yep, and a brilliant display. Two goals from two centre-backs, both Skriniar yeah. and Bastoni scoring, and obviously Bastoni grabbing that assist as well. Their centre-backs bailed them out, man. Yeah, they're pivotal in this system, you know, because if the strikers, if the defenders are occupied marking the strikers and pockets of space are going to appear, and if you have competent yeah. centre-backs going forward... They're going to absolutely destroy you. They're going to punish you for those pockets of space. And Bastoni and Skriniar have proven time and time again that they can do this. Particularly Skriniar, who has always scored yeah. against Malta too. His, his run off the ball in that, um, in that headed goal, the last headed goal, was insane. He attacked it like a striker. No one really picked him up, first and foremost, but was a darting run. Into the area, man, and a bullet header into the back of the net. Bastoni's goal, on the other hand, was a thing of beauty. I have no idea. I had no idea that he had that in his pocket, man. That curler from outside the area. To be honest, that was a fucking well taken goal. Yep, beautiful placement. Um, It was, however, inter center backs that kind of fucked up in Lazio's goal, in the Mobile's goal. So a lot of people, I saw a lot of people criticizing Handanovic and the way that he went in to collect the ball in that situation. But I think it started off with, you know, Skriniar just not being present when, when that ball was played through. He didn't commit himself. He left it to Devry. Devry failed to pick it up as well. The ball kind of went around him. And Immobile came in suddenly. So Hananovic is seeing Devry and Skriniar ahead of the, behind the ball. And the ball is coming through. So he's like, okay, they've got it covered. One centre-back bails out. The other centre-back bails out. Uh, fuck it. Now Immobile is in my fucking face. So he goes out to try to collect the ball. Immobile is quick as ever. Long limbs. Takes the ball around and puts yeah. it into the back of the net. Yeah, um, it was a cocktail of errors, to be honest. Um, I think Devry would be the guy to blame most for it, personally. Uh, it, it's, it's between both. I think it's a lack of communication between the two centre-backs. I, I, yeah. won't, I won't pinpoint any of them, to be honest. Um... In my opinion, man, moving moving on a bit to Inter's midfield, I feel like Barella is a very consistent player yes. for, for Inter. He's great. We all know what he can do. He often seems very frustrated with himself, man, when he's subbed out. He's a victim of his own high standards, I believe. I believe that if he doesn't... He's... A, he's he has a high he has high um, expectations for himself. Like he, yeah. he when he when things don't go particularly his way, even if his team's winning, and even if he is indeed playing well, he just still he's so harsh on himself. You know, you see his him flailing his arms around him, looking pissed yeah. off, him looking impatient at every little mistake he does. Yeah, yeah, it's you know, cut yourself some slack, brother. It's <laughs> it's, it's gonna be yeah. fine. Um, so moving on a bit to inter striking department, on the other hand. Lautaro is an insane support striker, bro. Yeah. He, he's played well with everyone that's played alongside him. So Lukaku, Correa, Zeko, Sanchez. And now this brings me to the debate. What is Inter's hierarchy of strikers? From top to bottom, who starts first and who is the last option? Lautaro, Zeko, Correa, Sanchez. Okay, I would say that it's Lautaro... Zeko, Sanchez, Correa. I think when Inter look to start someone, they choose Sanchez over Correa when it comes to starting in the in the mm. first eleven. However, bringing someone off the bench, they tend to prefer Correa in that region. But I think for in a in a starting department, I think Sanchez just fits the system a little better. 
I don't know. Inzaghi literally handpicked Correa and brought him with him from from Lazio. While on the other hand, Sanchez has one foot out the door. Basically, well, Inter hope he has one foot out the door because he makes seven million a year. So That's ridiculous. Yeah, they've been trying to offload him for a while now, but of course they can't find any suitors. He's not a bad player by any means. He's a great player, mm-hmm. but I think that Correa is better suited for for Inzaghi's system. I kind of I kind of prefer Sanchez because he has great passing man and he's able to hold the ball up and, and play Lautaro through as as we saw um the the first goal that was Vard and, and was disallowed that was a great ball by Sanchez it was, it was and I think he's a clever player yeah I think he has he has better chemistry with Lautaro than Correa but obviously then then Correa brings brings that brings that pace brings Explosive great shooting flair, as well like technique as well yeah, it's a brilliant his man one on one yeah it's a brilliant problem for Inter to have yeah. to be honest Lautaro I want to highlight as well he's a he's such a complete striker right he can do mm. anything he can he's not that big but he can use him as a target man he'll win a header like he can outmuscle his man he can outpace his man quite often he's very technical you know he's intelligent he, mm-hmm. he's a good player he's I think one of the best strikers in the league. Yep, I agree. Um, Brozovic has agreed to extend his contract with Inter, where that you're talking about this in our last episode. Um, six million a year. Nice. Yes. Good. Good for them. Um, how old is Brozovic nowadays? 29 years old. 29 years young. Um, six million a year is, I think, fair enough. Like He's been their point of reference for ages now. Mm-hmm. It's a bit steep, uh, six million. It is. It is pretty ah. steep in Italy. It's, it's six million. It's quite a bit, but I guess these are the champions. So if anyone's gonna pay that amount, it's them, right? Yeah, but they're also in crazy debt. No, and they're still kind of yes, but debt isn't a real thing. Like ah, no, no, of course not. <laughs> like like Barcelona are in debt. They splashed forty million on what's his name. You know? Yeah, but they can't register some of the players that they're signing. They can't register know. Ferran Torres and and uh, Tiri um, to, <laughs> took a pay cut to get them. So it's crazy. It's it's mayhem no, over yeah, there. Of course, I'm not undermining Inter's financial troubles um, but I think that Brozovic is a player that they had to tie down he just works there yeah, and you yeah, can't yeah, risk yeah, having yeah. to replace him because no, he works absolutely not. perfectly well it's not like Donnarumma he can literally plug in another goalkeeper and he's probably just going to be better with his feet like, yeah, you, know? no, like you lose a bit from the one-on-ones but you have a fucking ball playing goalkeeper that's great yeah um, Noglu obviously didn't play this match do you think he's become a key player for Inter? Sometimes I feel like in this game, maybe they lacked a bit of creativity. That if Hakan was there, it would have been different. So I feel... I'm hesitant to, to comment on Chalanoglu. I'm hesitant to call him a key player because we've all seen spells of good form come yep. from Chalanoglu. You know, I'm a mm-hmm. Milan fan. So, of course, um, I've seen it. I've seen it happen and then he dips. Uh, this was a particularly easy run for Inter where he played well. Um, there are there were no guarantees that he was going to play well in this game, of course. Uh, but it must be said that the goals had to come from centre backs today. Yep, literally, yeah, literally. But maybe you know, I don't know if that would have changed much of Hakan would would have probably given them some brilliant balls himself, and and maybe yeah. Skriniar would have backed too. Um, but yeah, he's he's definitely an asset to the team. But I think rotation. Particularly with a team like Inter, a team like Atalanta, teams like Napoli as well, rotation does them good. So Hakan will be well rested for the next match, and he'll be he'll be fucking lit probably. Yes. So Lazio, bro, once again looked very shaky. What the hell is going on at Lazio, bro? Uh, like I don't know, man. We're just gonna shit on Cataldi and Basic again, and, <laughs> and, and their and their defense and. Tell Sarri to stop yeah. smoking and <laughs> chewing filters in his free time. Dude, that is that's probably the most addicted person I've ever seen to cigarettes in my life. Like I 
He keeps filters in his mouth the entire time. That's so I tried it last time, bro. You, try, you tried to I tried it yesterday, not oh. a filter. But oh. I was driving two colleagues home, one to Msida, one to Kapara. And I work in Burmarat and I live in Mosta, so from a two minute drive, I made it 40. Like Every non Maltese was... person's like, what? <laughs> well, it's, I, I made a short drive long, basically. <laughs> and I had two people in the car with me, so I didn't want to smoke a cigarette with them in the car. So I grabbed my cigarette, I put it in my mouth, and I just chilled with it in my mouth. Did you start taking notes on a notepad while you were driving as well? Yes, I also aged 40 years. <laughs> Nice. Have you ever heard the story of when Sari um, gave a lift to someone and the guy told him just don't smoke in my car and it was like a really long drive what? and apparently Sari like chain smoked <laughs> the entire way just completely ignoring what he said. <laughs> of course, he probably yeah. doubled his cigarette intake right now, man. To be honest with the with this team, we also forgot to mention we're drinking Gavi. Ah yes, Gavi de Gavi. Yes, delicious. Now, um, what are we gonna talk about, man? From from Lazio. So I think a high point was that finally we saw a good save from a Lazio goalkeeper. So yes, Strakosha pulled one off. An amazing save. Yeah, it was kind of going towards him, but his positioning was mm. great in, in uh, that in that situation. On Lautaro, right? Yeah, and and, yeah. He, and he managed to parry the ball away decently. But to be honest, the scoreline makes it seem as though the game was tighter than it was when in actual fact, I think Inter were just a little bit unlucky. They were definitely the better team. They 17 had... shots to Lazio's 5. So definitely they, they were outclassed. Even if you watched the game, it was like men against boys. Um, Lazio managed to keep the scoreline respectable, but they never looked like they were actually threatening to come back into the game or to, to actually win the game themselves. No, 100%, but obviously I was I was pretty optimistic that they'd manage to get a point away from this so that, you know, Inter and Milan would be tied first rather than Inter being first with a game in hand. Um, but a talking point for Lazio would be that Sarri has finally opened up about the, the situation at Lazio. Um, two names in particular have been mentioned to Lazio's management. They're looking at Empoli's Fabiano Parisi and Hellas Verona's Nicolo Chazale. What who, who do you, do you prefer? I personally, I, like, I take Parisi. I like Parisi as well. I like Parisi. Yeah. Do I think Lazio can do better? And do I think that Lazio should have higher standards? Perhaps, but he's a young guy. You know what I mean? So it might be might be an exciting signing for yeah, him. Yeah, he's energetic. He might do well in Sarri's system. Who knows? Um, Chazale, I'm not too sure. I'm not too sure why, personally. Do I don't I. see it. Neither do I. To be honest, no, I'm but not a, I'm not a scout. But anyway, but if this is Sarri choosing his men, then then I'm sure he's he's got something up his sleeve over there. Um, he's looking to offload Lazzari as well, although no concrete offers have arrived yet. As well as Muriki, which we called this as well. Yeah, it's of been course, shambolic. Of course. For Any them. monkey could have called this. It was <laughs> <laughs> the guy that hasn't picked up at all. Like. When I when I heard the criticism the first time, mm. I was like, these guys are being too harsh on Murray. He just came back. He's he just came to Italy. He's cause of and you know he he needs some time to settle into the league. Um, then I watched him a few more times and I was like, Jesus Christ, this guy's fucking terrible. He can't, he can't. He's not good enough for lots. It's no. as simple as that. I think he's. And they paid twenty million for him. That's my god. That is so bad, man. Lotito, the legend. Um, but apparently Sarri is preparing for a real squad revolution in the summer So he's gonna kind of plaster up in January, do, do what he can But in summer he wants a new goalkeeper 
a regista, a midfielder, and a backup striker. And apparently, he wants Kepa. It would be cheaper for him to just change club. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> yeah, he wants Kepa, the, the guy the who embarrassed guy, him. Yeah, the, the guy that's who humiliated him made on the him a mean largest stage in the world. He's never going back to England, sorry, after yeah. that. After a 24-year-old goalkeeper basically told him to fuck off yeah. and just storm down the tunnel all pissed. Yeah. So Lazio currently stand in 8th with 32 points, while Inter. Inter are first, of course, with 49 points and a game in hand. Yep, so they can go 4 points ahead of Milan over there. And whoa, transition. Next game we're going to be covering is Venezia nil Milan 3. We won't be plugging the song today, even though I personally would love to plug it. I would love to plug the end. We got some feedback saying, why don't you just put the end of the song? No, yeah, no, no we'll, you're lucky we you didn't put it twice. You need the full fucking song. You're lucky we didn't put it twice. <laughs> and with a karaoke version alongside it as well. So this is the first time in ages that Milan could have gone first coming into this game. So obviously the motivation was high. Theo was wearing the captain's armband as well. And, and we, we have some experience seeing how that turns out normally. And Pioli's 400 game in charge in Serie A. So he'd be motivated as well for this one. And rightly so. He's going to be a great Pioli man. His stats are good, you know, compared to some of the greats. He's actually quite impressive. He's ahead of them in some of the stats, like points per per match or something. He's like that. one of my favorite Milan managers of all time. Yeah, that I've Genuinely. seen probably, probably. Um, Milan have kept two clean sheets against Venezia for the second time in their history after the run of three recorded at the beginning of the 1940s. In the midst of a world war. Yes. Just like world stop war playing. and Milan are just keeping clean sheets. <laughs> <laughs> 75% of Venezia's Serie A wins against Milan have actually come at home. Do you know that? Three out of four. Hmm. But anyway, um, play by play, who's doing this? I'll do this one. So in the second minute, Zlatan opened the scoring after a great assist by Leao. In the 48th minute, Theo scored from a tight angle after a Leao assist once again and celebrated like Frank the Tank Kessie. There was a penalty check for Venezia, which resulted in no penalty. In the 57th minute, there was a penalty for Milan and Svoboda was sent off. And in the 59th minute, Theo converted the penalty. Romero got a touch to it, but wasn't enough to keep out the strike. So it was great to see the Curvasud coming in on boats in Venice with their flares in the background of fireworks shooting in the air. It was just fun to see, you know. This is why I love Serie A, personally. The culture and the history is just... Fantastic, and it doesn't feel manufactured at all. There's something authentic about it still. You know? Yeah, the inability to read the room for the <laughs> Milan Curva. They're just whooping out flares on like this gondola or whatever the fuck it was. It's like yeah. chanting and singing, probably all fucked up. I adore yeah, all it. All shirtless, not a shirt inside. Yeah, Jake said how he he wants to go watch Milan with the Curva, and yeah. I told him I will die before I go watch Milan with the Curva because I like I I know five words in Italian. They would beat the shit out of me. I think if I didn't. All we'd have to do is learn every lyric to the song, and just if we don't stop singing, we're good. Yeah, easy, easy. <laughs> <laughs> Purely <he's> on fire. <laughs> Zlatan Ibrahimovic has 33 goals in 50 games since his return to Milan. What the hell is Zlatan Ibrahimovic going doing going back to AC Milan? 
They're dreadful. What a fucking. He's a 38 year old guy <laughs> playing major league soccer. <laughs> Fuck him, man. The guy didn't see Zlatan two years before in the Premier League, you know what I mean? Yeah, um, he has 92 goals and 34 assists in 149 games for Milan, and that, my friends, is fucking impressive. That is very fucking impressive, man. That is impressive. And since his return, he's yeah. been excellent, man. He's been very good since his return as well. At 38 yeah. years old, those you know, numbers the guy's are crazy. Starting. Like, put the, give these numbers to a 22-year-old player, 23-year-old player. He's, he's worth off. 150 exactly. million. That's right. it. He's done. So Theo grabbed two goals as captain in this game. I'm captain now. <laughs> and, and Leo had two assists in this game. Those are two young studs for me. I think they're so good that sometimes we just forget about their age, man. It feels obvious praising these guys. Like praising the likes of Hernandez, praising the likes of Tonali this season. It seems too obvious. It mm. seems too easy. But, but in reality, they deserve a heap of praise. Tonali all season. Hernandez, particularly in these past two games, he has been amazing. It's like the mm-hmm. armband has like spiked some new mojo in him, man. Yeah. Um, also, not to mention the fact that these opponents were slightly easier. So maybe it was a, a good opportunity for him to really express himself and he managed and it Roma resulted in goals. Easier. Roma weren't easier, it's true. But co- considering their performance, man, that was one of the easiest games of the season for Mila. Yeah, that's true. Performance-wise, honestly. Yeah, like Venezia think... gave Mila more of a hassle than these guys. Yeah, I think having Leao back would also give that confidence to Teo Hernandez. Like, all right, I've got this fucking beast ahead of me. And two assists for Leao, man. And just looking the way he is, so confident, so agile. His dribbling is incredible, man. I'm going to call him the most modern player in the league. The most modern player in the league? Yes, I don't think there's a more 2022 football player in Serie A. Fair enough. Like the kind of guy that will have his highlight reel on YouTube, you know what I mean? direct, skillful, lean, fast, aggressive. So fucking Mm well-rounded, man. Mm -hmm. So complete. Vlaovic gives him around for his money when it comes to modern modern footballers. Maybe not this week. Maybe no, no, not this week. But but we will get into but that. For for modern though, I, I think I think Leo takes the cake, man. Like you're looking at a player that is kind of like similar to those that the Premier League hype up. You know, yeah, so. yeah, that's that, that's true. That's. But true. anyway, we don't go fuck. No, who's hyped in the Premier League. We don't give a fucking shit, don't man. Even watch that shit. Nope, disgusting. Um, another talking point would be just bear in mind that Milan are doing this with Kalulu and Gabia. At the yes, back. That that's we forgot to mention that that um, Kalulu and Gabia literally form a decent partnership. Like, yeah, not anymore. Not anymore because Gabia's off to Sampdoria or yeah. apparently Salernitana or apparently someone else. But no, it's, it's not Samp. Com- no, it has not been confirmed yet. I think Samp were in the running, but I saw recently that it might be Salernitana as well. Whatever. Let me tell you, Sampdoria would be a good destination for Gabia. I agree. He'll slot right in. His start. Probably alongside like Yoshida because Koli's away as well. Yeah. Um, and he can get some experience. He's playing with a decent team. You know, he's, de- mm-hmm. he's getting valuable minutes. Yeah. I but, think he'll come back stronger, definitely. But this was a head-scratcher for me, man. Because Milan clearly have an issue with centre-backs at the moment. I know Tomori's coming back. All right, but who's your sub, man? I have a feeling something has been done. Something has to be done. Eh? Yes, um, recently we've read a lot about Eric Bailly of United. Yeah. I learned today yeah. how to pronounce his name because a colleague corrected me. <laughs> I was saying Eric Bailey. How is this Eric Bailey? <laughs> and it was like Doug Bailey. 
<laughs> but anyway, um, yes, it is strange that amidst a center back crisis, we suddenly mm. decide to offload and on loan. Like it's not like we're, Milan are making some revenue of this yeah. guy. Just loan him out to Sam. But to be honest, the COVID cases, like Tomori's is already negative, so he's already gonna be back. Yeah, that's crazy how Tomori just recovered in four days, man, from COVID or five days or well a week to be honest. Well, he, he's an athlete, right? I mean, it'll probably take me a year to recover if I get it. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's there's no need to reiterate how good Manyan has been for Milan ever since his return, the particularly spoiler. in the last two games. He was fantastic. There's was, there was this fucking save that he made where he had no right to catch the ball. It was ridiculous, but he hung on to yeah. it. It was crazy, man. It was. Florenzi has been fucking insane. Florenzi has been very good. I, like yeah. I can't wait for Calabria to come back. But to be honest. We're sorted. Who would your flop for Milan this game be? I know it's difficult to pick a flop. No, a I'd, say, I'd say if I had to pick one, I'd say Brahim. Eh? Brahim mm-hmm. might go Sally. It is between them. They, they're both in the attacking phase and they didn't contribute. So I think Sally has had two, three decent performances before this. So he's on a bit of a high, but mm-hmm. I, I'm still waiting for Diaz to find his form again, man. I can't to re- wait to return to, to. I am to one the of the Diaz. the men that rates Zlat- oh, Zlatan Diaz. I rate Diaz very highly, man. I think Diaz has a very high ceiling. I think Diaz is 22 fucking years old. I think this is his first full season. Mm-hmm. And I think that we need to be patient with him because... His technical excellence is next level. His ability to dribble in the pockets and attack the spaces mm-hmm. is very, very good. And to be honest, it's almost better for Milan if he doesn't hit the ground running because Real have a buyback clause and if they don't exercise it within the next two years, he's mm-hmm. out. He's yep. Milan's, you know? So so I think it's it's a good thing, man. Yep, uh, well, I would like him to, to pick up the maybe dip off slightly towards the end of the season yeah. when, you know, Milan are confirmed champions and all that. Um... But yeah, I, I don't think we, we should technically be be talking about flops right now. It's a, it's a 3-0 convincing Definitely victory for good Milan. Point. Good point. Um, but Venezia, on the other hand, they are a team that have proven to be worthy opponents against big sides. Okay, they did just lose 3-0 against Milan, but they've held Juve. They've beat Roma, Fiorentina, Bologna. So this is by no means... An easy game for Milan. Yeah, not to mention, uh, you know, that Cuisance debuted. Mm-hmm. Four million from Bayern. Yeah. So in in reality, okay, Cuisance debuting had nothing to do with the fact that this was never going to be an easy game. <laughs> <laughs> that segment was kind no, of no, but poor. he had he had a he did have a good game. He had a though, good I game. Have to man. Say. Yeah, four million from Bayern. New guy, eighty five percent pass rate. This game, three tackles, dispossessed only once. He played very well on his debut. Very exciting for them. Yes, Venezia are by no means a poor side. They have a lot of talent in their team. They actually have players that they can rotate. It's getting kind of dangerous for them right now, especially with Cagliari. Picking up a few points, you know, um, they're dropping and Spezia winning as well. That's terrible for them. Spe- Salernitana winning and they have two games in hand as well. They're five points behind Cagliari and, and like one point. No, sorry, five points behind Genoa and around two points behind Cagliari or one point behind Cagliari. So it's getting really tight at the bottom, man. And okay, Venezia are having good performances, but it'd be good to see some tangible points. Yes. Um, Buzio was solid I thought Romero played very well We always praise Romero here But wow He's been so good for them Yeah he's, he's been He's been solid yeah. He hasn't skipped a beat since He got since a touch on them. Theo's penalty mm-hmm. no, he's, he's a beast at penalties yeah, yeah, yeah. You remember that World Cup man I do I do He's Argentinian Argentine yeah 
Is it Argentine or Argentinian? You could say both. I say Argentine because it sounds cooler. It does sound cooler. I'm not sure if it's correct though. I'm going to stick with Argentinian for now until Argentine I Argentine is correct. What are you talking about? All right, let's fact check. Let's f- <laughs> Jesus. Argentine. Da. Is Argentine correct? Oh, look, Argentine. An adjective. Of or resembling silver. <laughs> <laughs> No, bro, every single commentator says, I've never heard a commentator say Argentinian, like... Argentinian. Ah, yeah, look, uh-huh. okay, so someone from Argentina would have thought, huh? So Argentina... Except for me. Someone corrected me once when I said Argentine. Argentine. Bro, go back to that person. And my mind, I just smacked them across the fucking face. <laughs> but back to, back to the topic. Um, Venezia are in a tough period right now schedule wise they had many big teams to play their parents are getting separated <laughs> as well <laughs> they um, yes they're close to the relegation zone right now they have a game in hand against Salernitana it's looking dangerous for them but I do think they can pick up the points they need against the smaller sides when they play Spezia when they play Genoa when they play Salernitana when they play Cagliari I think they can win those games I think they have the upper hand as a squad and and, and Performances go as well. I think Venezia have the upper hand against these teams, man. Do you I think, see do you them think surviving. That you see them surviving. I see them You'd surviving. You bet money on them Venezia. surviving. <laughs> <laughs> what is the return on that? Is what I would Odds like of to know. Two. How much would you put? Oh, um. <laughs> <laughs> bro, you have I'm to relax. <laughs> you have to relax. <laughs> I'm trash. Bro. We're three games in. <laughs> this is a nightmare. Um, I if it, if the odds are two point I would put a ah, fucking toss a fifty on it. Fifteen. I toss a fifty on it. You're in. I'd put three thousand. Oh my god, <laughs> dude, Jesus. <laughs> but yep, Milan find themselves in second place, one point off of Inter, but Inter do have that game in hand. Whereas Venezia find themselves in seventeenth place, one point away from relegation, but have a game in hand themselves. So we'll see what happens there. Okay, so before we introduce the Atalanta game, um, we feel the need to let you know that um, we got a little bit too ahead of ourselves yesterday. <laughs> the, the clock was ticking, the final started, so we had to stop and we we're just going to continue on a separate day. So here we are, sober this time. I was trashed yesterday. There, there's, <laughs> no way, there's no way I'm putting 3,000 euros on Venezia to stay up, by the way. <laughs> 50 at most. I think I'd stay for that 50, though. So the next game we're going to be talking about in this brand new day is Udinese 2, Atalanta 6. Uh, so this was not a shock that Atalanta won the game, but the reverse fixture, Atalanta were held at home 1-1 against Udinese, and Udinese are currently on hot form. And they have caused upsets recently, and particularly against Lazio on that 4-4 draw, and um, against Milan 1-1. Yep. recently so this was not meant to be such an easy game for Atalanta absolutely not Atalanta however have been unbeaten on the road since March um, and unbeaten in their last eight Serie A games against Odinese they won six and drew two which they have scored an average of 2.8 goals per match Odinese have not won any of their last 14 Serie A games against the top four of the table at the start of a match day um, it's been it's been a while for them yep so the way the game went was Pasalic opened the scoring in the 17th minute from a header after a deflected cross. As usual, the man was there in the right place at the right time. Padelli was not great in the replacement of Silvestri. Uh, in the 22nd minute, Muriel turned into the Brazilian Ronaldo after Malinowski's assist and put the ball into the back of the net and absolutely shafted De Maio. 
In the 43rd, going into the break, Malinowski made it 3, you give him space, he's gonna convert. In the 59th minute, Jim City put the ball to his own net after a Molina shot was deflected off of him. In the 76th, Muriel scored again, and the Mayo once again got shafted. In the 88th minute, Beto got a goal back after a brilliant assist by success. It was a great ball and a clever chip by the Portuguese. One minute later, Mele scored of all people, his first goal for Atalanta. And in the 92nd minute, Pessina scored. His first goal of the season, a clean finish, and Miranchuk, what a dummy by him. So Atalanta have returned to their old free-scoring selves after um, slip-ups against Genoa and Roma. What do you make of this? What do you think was the difference for them? Um, I think having players like Miranchuk stepping up, I think having Muriel back on form, I think Pessina coming on and looking the way he did was great as well. I think it's a matter of personnel in this mm-hmm. in this case for Atalanta. I think when they've got everyone going, which is thankfully very often for them, then they, they get the results that they need. And when they are like that, they are going to put six goals past a team like Udinese. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Meles picked up form as well um, on that wing, especially after Zappa Costa's injury. He really needed to. Um, Hatteber's back as well. What, what have back, you made yeah. of Hatteber so far? Hatteber has been decent, man, since he's been back. Obviously, he I had that so he had that long injury, but we know what he does when he's back. He's in the quickest and, and most flashiest yeah, right back that they have, but he's solid, man. He's a hard worker. Um, his conversion rate isn't fantastic. He's quite wasteful, but he yeah. does cause havoc in the, in the box, to be honest with you. For sure. Um, Petzella has, has struggled a bit, in my opinion. What do you think? Yeah, Petzella is definitely their, their weakest player when it comes to the wing-back departments. They've got four to five great wing-backs. Uh, Petzella is, is probably on the lower end of that spectrum. Not a bad player, but his performances haven't been up to par with, with, his, um, with his competition. Yeah, um, you mentioned Miranchuk before. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's apparently rumored to be going out on loan from Atalanta. And if he does go out on loan, that's definitely a starter for any of the bottom 10 sides, if not more, in my opinion. Today he got um, two assists, he got a dummy leading to a goal, 100% pass success rate, and he came on in the 74th minute. <laughs> that's crazy, And man. changed the game completely. He could be so useful for like any side. Yeah, I think. Atalanta, probably. Literally, I think from when we're looking out of the Seven Sisters, well, for the Seven Sisters, he'll come on and he'll do some damage. I'm, yeah. I'm quite sure about that. Um, but any anyone below that, he'll, he'll start consistently. And he's a good player, man, Miranchuk. He's a very good player. He is. The Romanian, I believe, right? Um, Russian, Russian. Russian. Russian, yeah. Um, Muriel is finding his form, two goals. What do you think? Well, and, and two stunning goals, man. I think he'd have a meal against Romagnoli. Yeah. The way he charges at centre-backs is crazy. The confidence he has to go one-on-one with any defender that's that's ahead of him is ridiculous. And it's great seeing him in this form, man. He is one of the best strikers in the league, in my opinion. Yeah. He's so patient, man. Everyone thinks he's going to pull the trigger, so they're just throwing themselves in front of him. But in reality, he's just walking past them and he's tapping it into the net, you know? Yeah, literally. Um, this was a confidence boost for all of Atalanta's players, to be honest, everyone played well, um, free scoring, Pessina and Mele getting their goals in, um, good to see Pessina back after he's been so unlucky with injuries, getting his first goal of the season. Meanwhile, Udinese have fallen victim to one of Atalanta's spectacular nights, um, their back three was pretty weak, man. Yeah, and they just got rid of Samir as well, so it's going to be interesting to see how, how they hold up over there with Nuitink, Demayo. And Bekao. Bekao. Yeah, the yeah, Mayo's kind of old. Nuitink is injury prone, so I do think they're going to need to replace Samir. In fact, their depth needs to be addressed because they only made two substitutions against Atalanta. Granted, they have a few injuries, but that's just not enough depth. 
going yeah, forward. For sure. Sopi and Success are the only two players that came on for Udinese. And in a game where you're getting absolutely shafted, you're 3-0 down in the, in the first half, you need some more changes to make, man. Yeah, positives from Udinese. I guess Beto scored, so he's just their, their treasury chest right now. He's yeah. their pile of cash that they're for licking sure. their lips and rubbing their hands looking at him. Um, His eighth goal of the season, yeah. uh, Beto. The same as Zibra, Skamaka, Zeko, Pasalic, Destro, Tami. Not not a bad bunch of people to be compared to. Yeah, not at all. He, his conversion rate's pretty good too. Yeah. And Telefel was was pretty good, pretty dangerous at times, but Atalanta were he too has much flashes. For him to, he exactly. has flashes, Telefel. When you give him space, when he has that opportunity, and and he's cutting in, he looks fantastic. He's got yeah. quick feet. He's pacey. Um, so yeah, but he obviously didn't have the opportunity to show us that too much in this game either. Do you think that Silvestri was missed, or do you think that either way? Well, at, at most it would have been maybe four or five if Silvestri yeah. were between the sticks, unless he can, unless he has magical powers to make the front, the back three ahead of him even better. Um, but yeah, he he's obviously missed, but. Well, it's, it's not devastating for It's them. not devastating exactly. well, pa- Padelli did have a bit of a shocker at times Like the first yeah. goal He could have done much better over there He was really soft But True. obviously Silvestri is a better goalkeeper And hopefully he'll be back to them soon But yeah, it wouldn't have changed the outcome too much against Atalanta Udinese have two games in hand Away to Fiorentina and at home to Salernitana Which pushes them down to just four points out of the relegation zone Do you think they'll get anything out of Fiorentina and Salernitana yeah well they could definitely beat Salernitana and they could do bits against Fiorentina they could get a point away from Fiorentina if they're on a good day so they could get four points out of those I think anything less than three would be very disappointing but that'll that'll get them seven points away from the relegation zone and some breathing space you know what I mean especially when Sampdoria are behind them Venezia Spezia the bottom three as well so they're fine with teams like Udinese, it's like they get a really good start, then they just get complacent. They say, we've done enough, we're not going down. Just exactly, chill. but th- this is, to me, the first time that Udinese looked poor. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, Udinese looked fucking rubbish in this game. But True. otherwise, they always put in, like, a solid performance. Like, the team always needs to play their best to beat Udinese. True, true. They do play up to their opponent. So, For sure. So, Atalanta are currently fourth, two points behind Napoli with a game in hand, while Udinese sit 14th with two games in hand. Yep, and the next game we're going to be covering is Napoli 1, Sampdoria 0. So, a low-scoring game, particularly taken into consideration the reverse fixture, where Napoli spanked Sampdoria 4-0 away from home. We were in Gozo for that one. Oh, I remember remember? that. We we Uh, covered that in Gozo. How good. (laughs) Napoli have won 12 of their last 13 matches against Sampdoria, 7 wins in a row against them, their longest open streak of consecutive wins, against a single opponent in the top flight. These stats are so specific. I I love them. (laughs) Both sides are searching for their first victory of 2020, and Sampdoria came into this game missing Vere, Yoshida, Damsgaard, Colli, and Kondreva, while Napoli were missing... (laughs) Hosimen, Koulibaly, Anguissa, Lozano, Meret, Malqui, Unas, Zelinski, Rui, and Insigne's future at (laughs) Brilliant. You also said the first win of 2020. That's yeah, hilarious. 2022. 2022, yeah, 2022 now. that's fucking. <laughs> I don't know what to say. So but what a pl- difference, right? 
considering oh well let's do the play-by-play then we'll get into it yep sure so the play-by-play is, is very brief so Insignia went off injured in the 30th minute and um, the 35th there was a disallowed goal as Juan Jesus was caught offside and the 43rd minute Petania scored the fattest overhead kick I've ever seen in my life great goal, goal by Petania brilliant a few goal, defenders man. had their hands up which make the goal it makes the goal look a little bit less spectacular hey, man, it makes it look like he's doing uh-huh. something wrong exactly. almost but like it's he illegal. was well within his rights and what a what a take it was, I suggest you go take a look. Um, the least acrobatic person doing the most <laughs> acrobatic of things. Like. Spectacular. And really good that he's finally gotten a goal there, Patania. Yeah. He, de- he deserves all the praise in the world. But just goes to show, as I was saying, um, before with Koulibaly and Gustav and they beat these guys 4-0. Without yeah. them, 1-0, and you know, they have to sweat for it. They're, they're missing their three best players. They're missing the spine of their team. Yeah. Well, obviously, and, and Insignia went off injured in the 30th. That makes a massive difference for them as well. Literally, their, their four best players for sure were missed. Napoli had double Udinese's shots. They had 68% ball possession, 90% success rate. It was pretty much like a training drill um, where Udinese were just trying their best. Sampdoria, sorry, were just trying their best to not concede. Yep, and even when Sampdoria did go forward, Napoli's defence, despite Jesus and Gulam starting, which are obviously the, the defenders that don't normally start, looked solid, man. They, I don't know if it's Spalletti or if it's the players, but they kept their shape really nicely. Yeah. They were hard when they were going in for a tackle. They looked like Napoli starters to be honest they did they did, and I think Spalletti puts a lot of faith into his players um, he's quite the quite a good man for sure in fact he's one of those top four dogs because uh, he gets the whole team ticking typically yeah you know? 100% Dem and Lobotka again had a great performance together this time you know Dem is being praised yeah. last time Lobotka was being praised they just bounce off each other They're so well these guys pivot, oh, for sure for sure they really complement each other man I love Dem as work rate I love Lobotka's passing and how he goes forward yeah. Brilliant, man. You think Insigne will have another good performance before he leaves, man? <laughs> yes, I think he will. Has he man. scored from open play? He hasn't scored from hasn't open scored play. From no, open he scored play. from the from the spot. Even though I think he's missed more than he yeah. scored from the spot this season. I, I'm Maybe. not. I'm not sure about that. Um, but he scored from free kicks as well. Yeah, dead ball specialist he's been. Yeah, dead ball merchant. <laughs> So always a tough game for Sampdoria away to Napoli. You know, Sampdoria had quite a few injuries themselves and they were also missing Kandreva who was suspended for this game. And without Kandreva and obviously without Damsgaard as well, they've got zero creativity about them, man. It's like Gabbiadini and Qualiarella were by themselves up there in a different match, man. Yeah, the two trees of Sampdoria. (laughs) They need more depth. Again, another thing. They don't even need depth. They need a starting midfielder that can actually cause some some damage, that can do some damage. Yeah, because they have no creativity. They have no one to penetrate. They have no one to feed the strikers. And they have Gabbiadini and Qualiella who are just begging for it. Even Caputo. Yeah. You know, you feed Caputo a bit, you have someone to play with him, to play on him. Like, the likes of Keita Balde would probably be enough. Yeah, I I would agree. I mean, I they they do need a a creative a creative central midfielder, someone that can yeah. fucking pass the ball forward, man. Yeah, or a striker or a winger, just something to link up the play a little bit, something to go through, you know. Yeah, I I don't think you know they 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 were starting Ekdal and Askilson. They had Torsby and Chiervo starting in yeah. midfield, so. You know, aside that that victim of the of the current situation in the league where everyone's literally playing with half a team. Um but yeah, I think I think their their defense is pretty shaky as well. Man, as it stands, they started with Chabot, Ferrari, Dragosin and Augello. Who to be honest didn't do too badly against Napoli, but you don't want to rely on them going forward. No, absolutely know? not. They could fucking use Gabbia to be honest. They could they could use Gabbia and Gabbia could use them. 
Anything else? We want well, and Conti. Conti is being Conti, linked yes, to, to Sampdoria so as well. That's nice for them. Conti, I wanted to make a point, has been training with a very, very good Milan side mm-hmm. for quite a few years now. Yeah. Two years? What, what? Two years that we've been good? <laughs> exactly. Um, so I, I think that he might be way better than the last time we saw him. For sure. He's he's training alongside Calabria, who, as we all know, shares shares the Ka with Cafu. Yeah. So obviously quite a, quite a legend himself. And Carlos as well. And Carlos, Jesus yeah. Christ. So it's written in the stars, this move. No, but they, they do need to, to address the lack of options they have in the team as well. This tends to be a bit of a theme with, a theme with these um, mid-table teams in Italy. I don't think they have the resources to kind of, you know, if, if they have 20 million to spend, they want to get the best possible player they can rather than, you know, pitching 5 million on a defender, 10 million on a striker, another 5 million on a winger. Speaking of um, smart investments, their new signing, Thomas Rincon, came on. Oh yes, Rincon. And he played decently, but like speaking of creative midfielders, what kind midfielders, of weird huh? sideways move is that, man? That is a weird sideways move. I think it's it's probably a case of of availability for some. They're like, fuck, man, we just need someone we can bring on. Yeah, <laughs> Rincon's available. Rincon's always fucking available, and they they brought him in. So to be honest, not the worst move by some, man. Yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure about that. <laughs> so Napoli are in third They're two points above Atalanta But as we just mentioned Nerazzurri have a game in hand Sampdoria are 15th And just four points Out of the relegation zone Scary 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 Yes sir The next game We're gonna be covering Is Fiorent- Torino 4 Fiorentina 0 Probably the shock or Well definitely the shock Of the entire Of the entire mm. match day Man 4 nil Was not something I was expecting at all man It was Juric Against Italiano um, Stylistically beautiful Of course Coming into this game Torino had only won 3 out of their last 25 Serie A games Against Fiorentina So they were the underdogs um, They drew 9 And lost 13 In that period Most recently um, They beat them In 2019 With Walter Mazzari As the coach Current mm-hmm. coach of Cagliari Exactly Fiorentina had scored In all their last 16 Serie A games against Torino so this was a nice little record mm. for for Torino a new break and Fiorentina needed a goal to set a new record consecutive games with a goal against a specific opponent in a competition their current record is 16 against Tristana but it did not get um, renewed Tristana Tristana eh. yeah how interesting so the goal scoring was opened by Singo on the 19th minute after Milinkovic made a mistake Voivoda crossed the ball in and Singo managed to head the ball in in the 23rd Brekalo made it two after Lukic managed to squeeze past three defenders and play the ball to Brekalo who scored in the 31st Brekalo, Brekalo made it three and his second of the night after a stupid back pass by Kayohon fell to Brekalo who dribbled their keeper and scored from an awkward angle the keeper was in no man's land to and in the 58th, Sanabria managed to get his name out of the scoring as well after a good ball by Mandragora and Sanabria rounded the keeper once again. So, what did you make of this game, bro? 4-0, Torino so, against Fiorentina. I watched the game back, I watched the replay because um, I missed it, but um, I couldn't quite put my finger on what the hell went wrong for, for Fiorentina. There's so many mistakes, so lethargic looking. So I, I had I googled what um, Italiano said after the game. And he said, I can't explain this performance to myself. So I'm not the only one who doesn't understand that <laughs> their coach doesn't quite get it either. He said, I didn't expect this performance after the way that we trained. Um, fair enough. 
you know, I, I mean, they they did look disastrous. They didn't. They looked like the Fiorentina of last season, True. and Torino looked like the Torino of this season. Apparently, so. in a mock game before before this one, like a training game, mm. Cochrane scored a brace. So, <laughs> really? Yeah. So they were already in shambles before the game even started. <laughs> <laughs> At the point, Nico Gonzalez, when they were down, um, attent- attempted a Rabona, oh, wow. and he remained on. That's. Jesus. Kind of a bad decision, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah take him out. You know, the guy's taking the piss. You need an element of urgency, an Fuck element that, of professionalism. Man. I haven't, I haven't been the biggest fan of of Nico Gonzalez's attitude coming in. We all know that he's a good player, but we've spoken, yeah. we've addressed his attitude a few times, man. Yes, he seemed, he seemed quite hot-headed, like. Yeah. Um, for me, Quarta, Milinkovic, and Igor were terrible this game. Okay. They were error prone, they were a bit of a mess, they had mistakes in them. They always have a mistake or two in them, but they looked so scattered this game. They looked so disorganized, such a mess like. Um Bonaventura was invisible and to be honest, Castrovilli wasn't the worst player on the pitch even though he's been scapegoated by by fans Fiorentina are singling him out um the fans at least. But I don't think that's fair. There's always going to be that player that gets scapegoated. Yeah, come on, Castrovilli isn't the reason they conceded four against exactly. Torino. It was it was the entire team's performance, to be honest. Do you think that the Europe talk is premature for Fiorentina? Um, Italiano addressed that it is premature, and, and the fact that there needs to be some form of transition. You can't just be shit one year and then fight for Europe in the next. You know. No, for one one hundred percent. You know, it's like you're saying it's a slow process to to get to the top. Um, be it for the Europa League or for the Champions League We all know the level of competition there is in Italy We all know yeah. the Romas, the Milans, the Inters, the Atalantas, the Lazios, the Napolis Jesus Christ, I can't, you're not even addressing the Sassuolos, the Bolognias, the Empolis, yeah. the Torinos over there So it's a very tough gig, I would say Fiorentina look better than a lot of those teams Jesus Christ, I didn't even mention Juve there, man True <laughs> Juve as well um, but but yeah, I think I think they they just need to keep doing what they were doing. They need to find out what the fuck happened in this game and restart. They have a good manager. They have a good team. Um, I wonder what's gonna happen with Vlaovic because you know we're <coughs> God bless you. Sorry, man. we're <laughs> we're midway through January now, so it would be interesting to see how anything with Arsenal or Juve or Spurs are progressing, and they need to see what they're gonna do over there. Yeah, they'll hold on to him until the end of the season, though, most likely. Um, and then he'll see from there. He stated before, I believe, that he, he will remain. What, and he'll leave on a free? And I, I, I think so. Jesus I Christ. I thought, I thought Comiso was adamant on selling him at a point. Hey, that's what I, that's well. Yeah, but, but it doesn't seem like he's going anywhere. Mm. But anyway. Um, Bremer of Torino, moving on to Torino, is an absolute mm. fucking titan of yeah, a defender. Dude. He neutralized Vlaovic totally. completely. He was hailed by Juric after the game as well. Totally. He's a big team player, yeah. man, Bremer. I, I, I expect him to move on. It's only a matter of time. Yeah. So, Torino were forced to start some players that perhaps wouldn't normally start, like Gemello and Gold, who made his debut and got a clean sheet over there, th- thanks to Bremer and Gigi, to be honest. Yeah, he um, probably came into this game so worried about Vlaovic. Hey man, hey, we even saw fucking warming make an appearance over here. Global warming. Glo- <laughs> First name global. <laughs> Brilliant, bro. Thanks, man. Um, Juric said recently that he noticed improvements in training pass on to the matches. Um, and that the quality has been raised, especially when moving the ball around. And to be honest, it shows. They looked mm-hmm. good to begin with at the start of the season, but this game, they looked so dynamic. Um, moving the ball out so around so flexibly without any problems, um, without a target man to even aim to. You yeah. know? They kind yeah. of played like the whole 
false nine thing with um, Sanabri up front. Yeah, they're fucking still missing Belotti. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't yeah, even yeah. know when Belotti is back. It's like he doesn't exist anymore. It's like he vanished of the face of Serie A. This, this season, year, even when he plays, he looks he looks terrible. Yeah. Um, what's his name? Pellegri of Milan might go to Torino Ooh, as a striker. Wow, okay. That would be a cool move. That would him. be a cool move on on a loan. I'm guessing, yeah. right? If he stays healthy, that could be that could be big for him. It could be big for Torino. It could be big for Milan. Yeah, well, we saw what they're turning Pobega into. Yeah. Maybe they could do the same with Pellegri. To be honest, Pobega was already uh, that's more Italiano. I think Italiano like molded him into the mm. animal he is. Mm. Um, but be. but he has developed further under Juric. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Pobega, as we've mentioned before, has had Stefano Pioli, Juric, and Italiano as his coaches. Well, that, not, that's not, not bad, bad at, all, at all, man. Jesus Christ. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a great point that um, Juric made. I think once a coach starts to see that what they're doing in the training ground is being translated onto the pitch, I think that that's the best case scenario for any manager because... The amount of times teams would be playing well in training and then they just, you know, lose their confidence in a match or, or they lose the one-on-ones and the battle's over there. So a great sign for Torino and they find themselves in ninth place now, man, with 28 points. While Fiorentina find themselves in seventh level on points with Roma and Lazio with a game in hand. Now, another shock was Empoli losing at home to Sassuolo by the score of 5-1. What the hell? Another high-scoring encounter. Now, this was the 10th time these teams have faced off in Serie A. They have never drawn. Sassuolo have won six times and Empoli four times. Empoli have conceded at least one goal in each of their last 11 Serie A home games. Ooh, that's worrying. But I guess they do play very offensive football and they do express themselves leaving quite a few gaps. Yeah, so. and they're newly promoted. Yeah, so no problem. Let those goals in. Who the fuck cares? <laughs> I'll run you through the play-by-play very quickly. In the 13th minute, Berardi scored the penalty. Um, Henderson was clumsy and Ber- Berardi sent the keeper the wrong way. Henderson got his first goal for Empoli in the 16th minute. Consili was kind of soft there. In the 24th minute, Raspador scored a curler from the edge of the area as he was falling it was a lovely goal in the 60th minute Viti got sent off um, for a foul on Berardi and this was really the turning point you know Empoli were already 2-1 down but they were still kind of in it but after this it was just a free free for all goal scoring fest like in the 67th minute Scamacca got one in the 71st Raspadori got one and in the 92nd Scamacca got one as well assist from Berardi Scamacca and Frattesi Yep, so do you think it was the result of Empoli being dreadful or Sassuolo being great, the re- so result of this game? a combination of both. Sassuolo were, were on form and Empoli looked quite depleted, to be, to be honest. They had Luperto, Bandinelli, Parisi and Baldinelli all out for this game. Haas and Romagnoli too. So they were very depleted. Um, yeah, and obviously, probably. you know, notwithstanding the fact that injuries do tend to affect the smaller teams more than the larger teams. You know, we have, sure. we have the conversation about squad depth, I think, nine times out of ten when we're, when we're talking about Especially when we're matches. talking about Inter. Yeah, for sure. Um, but to be honest, looking at this, um, Sassuolo, have, they're a level above Empoli. They have way more depth. Like, the options they can bring off the bench are, can be quite crucial for them, can yep. be vital. You know, these are players that we've seen start very often for Sassuolo. They brought on... Muldur, Aihan, Fratesi, Skamaka, you know, who comes on and scores two goals. Mm. Um, Skamaka, again, showing us what a great striker he is. But at the same time, Raspador is showing us that he's not getting out of that starting 11 anytime soon, man. Um, probably not with Boga gone now, to be honest with you. Um, it depends on who they bring in. They've been linked to, to Traore of United. Traore of United, okay. Yes, okay. he'll be playing with his brother. 
Oh, interesting. Yeah, okay. That would be pretty cool if that goes through. Yeah. And obviously, Jury Trich will be coming back from injury any second now. So that might we might be seeing Raspadori playing on the wing over there, Jury Trich playing on the wing as well. It's a shame about the red card because the game could have been a lot more open, in my opinion. But the red card changed the game and Sassuolo ran right. Yeah, yep. Sassuolo were very, very convincing in this game. Regarding Empoli, um, Di Francesco got injured in the 29th minute. That's going to suck for them, it's going to add to their woes. Um, Mark Kitsa highlighted the importance of fullbacks, by the way, in in, um, in Andrea Zoli's system, and he hailed Berardi, saying that he they had to be careful against the European champion because of how dangerous he is, and of course they weren't, and he destroyed them. Well, Berardi was in full flow, Sassuolo were in full flow, and I think one thing I like about Sassuolo in particular is that their lineup is just Italy's future, man. They've got Fratesi, they've got Raspadori, they've got Scamacca. Do you think these guys are the future of the Italian national team? Um, the way it's going, I think the soundest option of them all is Scamacca. Um, mm-hmm. Fratesi is a great talent, but there are many great midfielding talents. Yeah. So I think it, it's, it'd be difficult to see him enter that midfield in, in it anytime soon like at any time soon but I think in the future eventually if he continues to progress he might have a chance yes yep I think I think he will fit into that um, starting 11 for Italy in the future like not this World Cup obviously it's 2022 but maybe in 2026 we could start seeing Fratesi implemented a bit more over there um, but imagine l- let's look at people in their early 20s who play in the midfield position in Italy so you have Locatelli you have Tonali you know, let's say let's say we're talking in five years. Actually, you'll have Pellegrini still around, probably as a as a mature kind of player. Yeah, well, well Fratesi brings something unique. Rovella to is pretty good. Yeah, too, sorry. well, Fratesi brings something unique to the game. So it's very much you know who the manager would be at the time and what system he would like to implement. But you know, he'd he'd be in the squad one hundred percent. So he'd he'd have a, a large you know a large say in, in how the team progresses. Um, how much will Sassuolo miss Boga now that he's off to Atalanta? I think they'll miss him. I don't think they have another player who can run directly at, at opponents like Boga. And in big games on the counter, like when they're... Or not even on the counter, to be honest, when they're just trying to create something, Boga was their wild card. And they'd often play down his side, like against Inter, the likes of Inter, Milan, Juve. You know, they often play down Boga's side and try to create havoc in, in the box. Yeah, but I, I think when no one's bringing it, Boga always turns up the heat with his with his skills and whatnot. For sure. I so. mean, Kyriakopoulos is there instead of him, so I think yeah. that's it, that says it all. <laughs> yeah, 100%. It'd be interesting to see what they do now that it's January. I haven't really heard anything yet for Sassuolo, but they currently sit in 10th place. They're level on points with Torino and Empoli, so this was a real six-pointer over there for Sassuolo. Um, and Empoli obviously share the same position, well, 11th with the same points. How far into this episode are we, bro? I'm going to find out right now. Oh wow, we're one hour and 13 minutes in, that's pretty crazy It's late, but we've given you a bit of a treat, guys Yeah, one hundred. If you've made it this far (laughs) For sure (laughs) We might just be talking to no one right now Hey man Well, there have to be a few OGs that are still listening I would like to think so, at least And if you guys have stuck around 
Let's, let's do some giveaway or some shit for them. Eventually, yes. And when we reach <laughs> 1,000 downloads, we'll we'll do a giveaway. Right now, we're at 560 something. Yeah, on uh, on Spotify, we have around 80 on on Apple, which is pretty pretty cool. 80 in the last 60 days, by the 80 way. Downloads yeah, yeah, last, 80 okay, downloads. Yeah, 80 downloads. Pretty good. Pretty not good. bad. Not bad. Yeah. Um, so the next game we're going to be covering is Cagliari 2, Bologna 1. Another surprise, even though Cagliari are kind of on hot form at the moment. Now, the last time round that these two faced each other, Bologna were victorious in a 2-0 home victory. Now, coming into this match, Cagliari and Bologna had won three games each out of ten with four draws. Bologna had won five of their previous six before that. Had Mihailovic won this, he would have become the first Bologna manager to do the double versus Cagliari since Pioli in 2013. Insert track here. Yes, Pioli. (laughs) Editor's note, insert track here. Now, the scoring was opened pretty late on in the game. It was the 54th minute where Orsolini converted a crazy free kick, a curler into the top right. One of three spectacular free kicks that were scored in match day 21. We should probably name the episode something after a free kick. Hey, well, yeah. Well, you guys will find out if we do that sooner rather than later. In the 71st, Pavoletti scored after a long throw eventually led to Pereira squaring it to him and he tapped it into the back of the net. And in the 93rd minute, a late winner by Gaston Pereiro, the man that assisted earlier. Um, he had Skorupski beaten at his near post. The goalkeeper should have really done better than that. He'll argue that the shot shouldn't have gotten away. And the defender will argue that the keeper should always have his near post guarded, which I agree with. Yeah, so Mihailovic blamed the schedule for this performance, stating that this game should have never been played to begin with and that in the last 20 minutes were always going to be tough for them due to fitness. They wanted to postpone the game by one day but Cagliari refused actually that's a little cheeky advantage for yeah. themselves yeah. and you know they're gonna do it they're gonna do whatever it takes to to give themselves an advantage considering their position in the table no 100% it's a it's a tough league and and yeah. teams should always be ready to to play these fixtures he was right about the last 20 minutes of course that's when Bologna kind of switched off yeah. and just allowed Cagliari to to attack them um, in fact, it was in the 71st when Pavoletti scored exactly, and then Gaston Pereira, as everyone switched off in the 92nd minute, beating Skorupski at his near post. That's fucking atrocious. That should never happen. Um, yeah. Mihailovic said it's a shame because we could have brought home a draw. Would that have been good, man? You know, the situation that Bologna currently have with all the injuries and COVID cases and Cagliari being an inspired form in 2022, then, you know, a draw is always better than a, than a loss and particularly in that midfield battle a draw could take them a long way at yeah. the moment so yeah he, he has every right to be pissed off about that fair enough Cagliari are looking way better without Godin and Cáceres bro yeah. I agree I agree well it, it's two games in but it does look it does look yeah. promising without them and I really like how Lovato slots in yeah, he's, he's playing well he's he playing is well. he is playing well I always rated him and, and I hope he I hope yeah. he does bits over there Bellanova's kind of a demon isn't he we always talk about but, him yeah, he's, he's just been so fucking good man Bellanova eh? he's, yeah. co- he's constantly charged he reminds me and I think I told you he reminds me of Parma's Dennis Mann oh I, I don't God, know why. really yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't think know. Dennis Mann's way more technical than, than Bellanova. Bellanova's more of a defender, while Mann's more of kind of a, an, an offensive player. Yeah, know? but we saw Bellanova go forward quite a bit uh-huh. in this game, and, and he just gave me glimpses of Dennis Mann, <laughs> which, to be honest, Dennis Mann's a guy in Serie B, so I don't know if Bellanova will take that brilliantly. I remember but, Bellanova posting his highlight reels on Instagram when he was still with Milan, like, right, with I the would. Primavera, and he was. 
He was really good every time I'd watch him. I'd be like, damn, this guy, this guy has a good future. I also remember him posting a picture of Kellini's dick on social media. He bro. did, man. A picture yeah. of him smiling with Ronaldo, and then in the background there's Kellini, who's butt naked. Fucking poor, respect, Kellini. Let it hang, dude. What the fuck? <laughs> respect. It's crazy that they lose Keita and they start winning. Like Keita goes off to Afcon and Pavoletti suddenly scored his fourth goal of the season. What's going on there? It's almost like Keita's their flop of the season, as as I said. You so. called you labeled Keita. You had labeled Keita their flop of the season, of course. Ke- Keita and I mentioned Nandez as well. Yeah. I don't was, know. I think, which I was think crazy. for example, Godin takes the cake really easily. Yeah, well Godin Godin as well. But yeah, you know, Pavoletti has stepped up and that's exactly yeah. what what um the manager would want to see. So How many more do you think he'll get, Pavoletti? He's on four right now. I think I think he'll get Almost ten. I think. I think he'll reach seven goals this season. I was gonna say seven. seven. I don't see him getting more than seven, to be honest. No, with you. no, no. But it would be nice if he does, because he was quite prolific back in his day. I like Pavoletti, man. Yeah. I, I like him as a person, and and he's a good striker as he's well. Alright, what? Yeah, he's he's really a duck to go to do three now, yeah. <laughs> so I've highlighted that I I think Cagliari will survive. Do you think they will survive, Matt? It's crazy because I always say I don't see Cagliari staying up. I thought they were going to get relegated last season because they were fucking shambolic even when they got Nangolan on board. Um, and this season was was no different. I, th- I thought they've been terrible. But the past two games, you know, a, a team is on a high getting two victories. Obviously, that's going to change your perception a little bit. I, I do think that they have the upper hand over Genoa and Salernitana at the yeah. moment. But when it comes to stable performances and not form-ridden performances, I still think they have a long way to go to kind of get out of that kind of relegation zone. However, Venezia and Spezia are both very fucking capable of dropping points. So we have from 16th down to 20th that anything could happen, man. We're seeing Salernitana. They're currently on 11 points, but they have two games in hand. So they could potentially, you know, be one point off of... No, one point ahead of Cagliari if they win both of them, which they won't. But it's the, just saying how tight from 16 to 20 it's it so is. Tight. It's so tight. Um, it's as entertaining as it is at, at the top of the table. For man. sure. The, the for top, sure. the midfield and the bottom is just delicious in Serie A this season, man. As it always is. What a league. For sure. Okay, I think we can move on. Bologna sit 12th with 27 points. Cagliari sit 18th with 16 points. One point off of safety. But Venezia have a game in hand against Salernitana. Not to mention Bologna have the same points as Verona over there in 12th and 13th. And Bologna also one point off of 9th, which are Torino. So just highlighting again how close this fucking league is. Yeah. So the next game is a Ligurian derby between Genoa and Spezia, which ended 1-0 to Spezia. Genoa came into this game unbeaten against Spezia and Serie A, winning two and drawing one of their three meetings. So Spezia have actually made history here. Yep. Um, Genoa have now failed to score in five of their last six Serie A home games. Shevchenko is in trouble. And yep. in fact, I think if Shevchenko gets knocked out in the Coppa Italia against Milan, he'll be gone. Ah, well, apparently that's what they're saying. I think it's very fucking premature that they're already, you know, talking about a young manager leaving the side. But I I don't know what they were expecting, to be honest. At least give him the signings he wants in January and then then assess. To be honest, a win against Spezia isn't a lot to ask for. I understand that a system needs time to be implemented. But but this is a relegation dogfight and you need to win these games, right? 
and they conceded the goal in the 14th minute to Simone Bastoni. Vedder received the ball out wide, he squared it to Bastoni, who slotted it in. So that was in the 14th minute, so Genoa and Sheva had a lot of time to adapt to the game, and they just fucking didn't, man. Yeah, um, credit to Bastoni, by the way. He's on three goals and two assists this season in 17 that's, that's games. Impressive. He's a left-back. He's plugged into centre midfield. You know, he's on great form right and now. And he plays for Spets, yeah. Yeah, and he's a Fanta Calcio legend. <coughs> if you don't have him, pick him up in the next Asta. I don't have him, so I might. Yeah, I think he's taken. No, I have him. I have him. Oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's taken. Of course, yeah. I have the, the best Bastoni in the league, my friend. <laughs> but anyway... Um, there is Manaj up front for Spezia, yeah, man. He's been quite mm. chaotic and he has just one goal in seven appearances. So one goal in 750 minutes. Do you think it'll start ticking for him? He's 24 years old, Albanian. Mayhaps. Um, I, I don't know enough about Manai to be on Manaj or Manai. Um, I don't know enough about him, to be honest. I need to watch more of him. But apparently he has had decent performances, yeah. but he just hasn't contributed as much as he should. Uh, I think Spezia strikers like Giassi um, has had a, you know, he was very on and off for them. Inzola, very on and off for them. So when it comes to a team like Spezia, you know, the play needs to come from the wingers, it needs to come yeah. from the midfielders and the defenders, and then the striker needs to convert. So if Manai starts receiving more, then perhaps he'll end up converting. A very organized display by Motta's men. Quite surprising. I, I, don't, I didn't think they had a clean sheet in them in this game. No, if, if there's one positive about Spezia, it is that they are an organized squad. And they have an identity, right? Yeah. It's kind of like they, they attack their adventures, but this game they took a more conservative approach, of course, considering that they were against um, a relegation contender, basically. Yeah, for sure. Um, they didn't quite dominate the game. Genoa had 53% of ball possession. They had 80% uh, pass success rate They had 15 shots yeah. However Spezia were good They did manage to get 17 shots away themselves They had a pass success of 77% um, It was important for them not to lose And they didn't lose In fact they won Which is fantastic for them They must have partied all night Yeah and it's and it's cool to see That they can bring on Kovalenko They can bring on Inzola They do have some resources here and there as well Spezia I've always said that they have a decent side So it's good to see them get a win That on you know they should get in theory mm-hmm. So, Destro, this game had a moment where he like flicked it, like he got a long ball and he flicked it with the, his like back heel and took it down and he ran. Mm-hmm. He was one on one with the keeper and you, I just thought he was going to curl it around him, like, but instead he played it directly into his arms. Um, mm. Quite wasteful. Uh, you need him in big moments like these, in big games like this. Yeah, I, I don't want to be overly critical because, you know, he's Destro at Genoa and he's, yeah. been, he's been doing bits, probably. The only player that has been doing bits for them this yeah. season, with the exception of like Sirigu, who's been decent between the sticks as well, Cambiasso, who's been good, Ekuban and um, flashes, Ekuban, Badeli, um, Badelita, <laughs> Badel, whatever. But I think it might no, it's Badel, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I don't be overcritical about Destra. He he missed that chance and and it costed them two points. So should be critical over there. But yeah, he's he's definitely not the low point of Genoa's yeah. team. Um, speaking of Genoa's team, Ostegaard debuted, the new man from Brighton, is it? Yeah, it is from Brighton. It is from Brighton. Um, yeah, he, he, played, he looked he decent well. in the yes, Prem yes, yes, and, yes. and he was good in this game as well. So, yeah, Rovella might be on his way out, eh? Rovella's on loan from Juve, so he's off for sure. He's, he doesn't have a future at Genoa. <laughs> well, he, Genoa wish he had a future there, <laughs> but, but of course um, he's too good for them. He looks so good. 
So Spezia currently in 16th place with 19 points. Genoa, on the other hand, are 19th with 12 points, just one point ahead of Salernitana, who have two games in hand. Genoa could drop down to dead fucking last, man. Ballardini in 3-2-1. So <laughs> the next game, and the last game actually, was between Verona Finally, and man. Salernitana, which saw Verona losing 2-1. This this was such a crazy match day, man. Jesus fucking Christ. A Give bunch me a of break. upsets, crazy scorelines, free kicks, it had everything. Yeah. So the only previous encounter between these two teams was this season's reverse fixture and their 2-2 draw. So historically, Salernitana are better than Verona. All right, <laughs> man, relax. <laughs> they have one draw and one win against them. Verona have now both scored and conceded in each of their last six games against newly promoted sides in Serie A, where they won two, drew two and lost two. And Salernitana obviously finally returning to Serie A action after three weeks of postponements due to their COVID cases. So in the 29th minute, Juric scored a penalty, which Gondo won after he stretched his leg out to purposely get caught by Gunter. Gunter, so... Error prone, poor guy in the box, man. He's yeah, quite unlucky. He in, gets in my opinion, I know we shouldn't concentrate too much on the goals, but this was in no way a penalty, in my opinion. He literally he played ah, totally the yeah, for yeah. the penalty. He struck his leg out on purpose. Well played, Gondo, who had a very good game. In hmm. the 63rd minute, Lazovic scored an assist, an assist by Miguel Veloso. In the 70th minute, Costano scored an incredible free kick. And in the 88th minute, um, Illich got a straight red card for saying something naughty to the referee. <laughs> So, looking at Verona, they haven't won any of their last four home games. They lost three and drew one. Um, They scored a total of three goals after having five wins in five at home since Tudor joined and averaged three goals a game. So, a dark turn for Tudor's Mm. side at the moment. Coming into this game, Verona also had a very limited bench with Frabotta, Magnani, Cancilleri, Sotalo, Berardi, Cetin, Coppola, Ragusa and Bessa all out due to Covid. They also had starters out with Faroni and Montepo um, with Covid as well and Davidovic suffering a cruciate ligament injury and Hongla obviously representing Cameroon at AFCON. However, their starting 11 still looked good and pretty much unchanged with the three exceptions. And they still managed to bring on the likes of Kalinic, Barak and Tameze, who aren't bad at all. Yeah, that, that's not bad at all, man. Uh, Verona had 24 shots in this game, 7 on target, only 1 coming from Simeone and unfortunately 4 of them coming from Kevin Lasagna. He's so out of his depth, poor guy. I think it's time for him to go and have a season in Serie B and maybe reignite that spark. Perhaps, or maybe join Salernitana and, and see, see what he can do over there. Um, Salernitana did a good job piling men back and only conceding one goal from an unlikely angle, to be honest. Um, their two goals came from dead ball scenarios and this could help them quite yeah. frankly. The fact that they don't score many is worrying, but the fact that they can score from, from dead ball situations is great. You know what I mean? Um, Costanos came in to replace Lassana Kulebali. And he scored the free kick, so maybe a nice little plug-in there for, for Salernitana's dead ball situations. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's very important for these sides, these smaller sides who don't create many open play chances to really nail their their set pieces. And they have, they did. Yep, maybe go down a bit more, stop being so fucking tough, Salernitana. Maybe yeah. <laughs> try try force fouls a bit more. And it wasn't easy for Salernitana either. They were missing they were missing Russo, Stramberg, 
Andrew Jerry out with with injury. So this was by no means uh, an, an easy yeah. game for Salernitana. It, it would never be, but yeah. It's important for them to pick up points because you don't want them to give up on the season and just start getting trashed by everyone. You know, like this, they still have that hope, you know, at the back of their minds. They're still like there's something to play for. So they're still, you know, putting a maximum performance against against other teams. Yep. I think the the front two of Gondo and Juric worked together really well in this game in particular. And Salernitana, again, they, they kept their shape. They did well. It was never going to be an easy task. I don't think there would have been a single human being that bet on a Salernitana victory. In fact, Verona had 70% ball possession, man. So it was really important for Salernitana to keep their shape, be aggressive. Um, in fact, they won 18 of their aerial duels. Um, they dispossessed Verona on four occasions. Verona had 17 corners, man. Yeah. So Salernitana's past success rate was 60%. Some pure Catanaccio over here. <laughs> Literally. No, but they did. I think we should praise Salernitana a lot. They used their substitutions well. They brought on four individuals in, in Kecrida, Ciappezzi, Bonazzoli, Charri. So they played all their cards and they came away with a victory against Hellas Verona, man, which is great. Verona are in 13th with 27 points and Salernitana sit dead last with 11 points and two games in hand. So once again, we're back with our transfer segment where we discuss who saw it, who liked it, who wanted it and who got it. Take it away, Jake. So Sergio Oliveira has joined Roma from Porto on loan for a 1.5 million down payment with the right to redeem for 13.5 million, a good dead ball specialist for Mourinho to work with. Godin has left Cagliari on a free to Atletico Mineiro in Brazil. Will he end his career there? Borja has joined Getafe on loan from Roma along with Villar until the end of the season. Borja is actually being paid by Real Madrid until June. Kelvin Iaboa is the latest striker to join Genoa for 6.5 million Euros, the Ghanaian Italian was playing in Austria with Sturm Graz. He scored 11 goals and got 5 assists in 18 games. Another victim of the Pozzi has arrived, the Pozzi, <laughs> um, with Leicester centre-back Benkovic joining Udinese on a free. Um, Goldenegger has left Sassuolo to join Cagliari, former Genoa player who was previously tracked by Fiorentina, Sampdoria, Torino, Udinese, Empoli and Benevento. Babacar has returned to Sassuolo from his loan in Turkey. Farago has left Cagliari on loan to Lecce and Serie B. The 28-year-old right midfielder did not quite cut it at Cagliari. Of course, as we mentioned earlier, Conti has joined Sampdoria um, on an undisclosed fee. Florenzi has been too good for him. <laughs> Filippo Casto, Napoli's left-back, has gone on loan to Parma. Giorgio Broni rejoined Atalanta from his Serie C loan, but was loaned out again to Paganese, also in Serie C. Alessandro Lovisa has rejoined Fiorentina also from Serie and was sent to Pordenone and Serie B, so it's a bit of an upgrade for him. Pigozzi rejoined Venezia from Serie but was sent back to another Serie club within minutes, and Jordan Lukaku has been loaned to Vicenza, and if his brother isn't careful, the same might happen to him. <laughs> Literally. I got a Welcome back to our question segment. If you have any questions or hot takes, you can hit us up at Seria Spotlight on Twitter or Instagram. We've got quite a few to get into this week, so let's do it. Our first question comes from Benji Flynn on Instagram, who asks, Europa League battle! <laughs> quite straight to the point. Yeah. I would say Juve 
will definitely get Europa League. Not Champions League, man. No, probably not. Um, followed by Roma. And then there's one Conference League spot left. Who would you give that to? It's between Lazio and Fiorentina, I'd say. Um, shit, that's a tough one. I'd, I'd say Lazio. Yeah, I think I'd go with the big three as well. I think Juve will get Europa League. And Roma would get it too. But what a story, as as Flynn mentioned later on. He said, what a story if Empoli managed to pull it off. But I don't think they have the facilities for that just yet. Yeah, if if they do, then... We're going to have a lot of Empoli fans, man. Exactly. I'll be rooting for them myself, I think. There are quite a few teams that can still challenge. There's Sassuolo and Torino. There's technically Bologna are still alive. But but I think the big three are too strong, in fact. No, definitely. Roma, Lazio and Juve. You know, yeah. they, they're pretty much... They're a step above, man. Yeah. They're a step above. Anyway, and the next question comes from Jack underscore Motivates on Instagram. Great guy. Great guy. He gave you a home. When you had he did. <laughs> I lived with him for three to four days when we both had a COVID scare. He's great. He's actually doing life coaching now. So if you need any advice on, you know, control over your life, go to Jack. He's crazy talented, man. Tammy Abraham, underrated striker, was his question. People aren't aren't wording their questions. They're just throwing out. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah. I'd say he is an underrated striker, man. I think, you know, people just tend to look at numbers when it comes to strikers. Sure, he's on hot form right now, so he's getting quite a bit of praise since he's at eight goals now. But he just fits into the Roma team so well. He fit into the league so well. Coming from Chelsea, he was on yeah. the bench. He was on loan at Villa. So he is an underrated striker, in my opinion, yes. So apparently the reported fee that Roma signed him for was 34 million and Chelsea have a buyback clause of 68 million. So I don't think he's actually underrated. I think he's mm. he's quite highly rated, actually. Um, but he's good. He's good. Uh, but that's, that's what you get when you buy from the Premier League, man. They always fucking charge those crazy sure. numbers. Maybe he's young he's, as he's well. He's not underrated because he's from the Premier League. Mm. The next question comes from Steve Colero, our boy, Shana Steve. Ah, yeah, yes, yeah. Um, he re- which reminds me, um, I apologize to all Juventini and to Del Piero himself. He has actually won a uh, Champions League trophy in 1994. I'm sorry for not picking that up either. Um, how detrimental will Chiesa's injury prove to be? Um, hot take, if he loses his speed, he loses a lot from his game. Oh, so how detrimental is it to Chiesa and not and not uh, Juve? Because Juve, it's, it's very. I think it's a two-part okay. question. Okay, so it's very fucking detrimental to Juve. They literally yeah, lose their best player, the, the guy that stands out. You know what I mean? Their star man. Their flair. Yeah, and we've seen players bounce back well, but then we've seen players like Zaniolo have come back and and instantly gotten another injury on top of that, and they just haven't returned. To their usual selves I think with the mentality that Chiesa has I think he could bounce back and become a great man I, I personally think he can <clears throat> For sure, for sure um, I think that this really It makes life so much more difficult for you, And I think that Champions League is going to be a very tough ask right now For sure, six months out man, the poor guy Our next question comes from Gabriela Quadarella on Instagram Gabriel.Q9 he asks, seeing Inter's following fixtures, how will they do? And if they drop points, could it be that they n- will no longer be title challengers? No, they will be title challengers until the last day, in my opinion. It, it'll still be tight. They need to drop four points for yeah. Milan to get ahead of them. Um, I think if they drop three points, 
then Milan are there very much, but they do. They but they're still challengers, right? I yeah, they're still. They they will be. Cha- I mean, Atalanta are challengers at the moment. You know what I mean? Napoli are challengers at the moment. Mm-hmm. I think Inter with the squad depth that they have and the quality that they have, the manager that they have, they'll be they'll be there till the end. They're gonna challenge till the very end. Yep. The next question comes from Daniel Schwierep Shanadan. Hey. He says, <laughs> "Which say a player gets the most bitches?" <laughs> 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 it had to be something like that. Uh, Giroud, Giroud, I guess. Isn't they're, he they're married were, though. It has to be a young. It doesn't guy. matter. They fucking they caught him with a with a woman when he was when he was at Arsenal. Oh lord! Mm-hmm. Infidelity. Infidelity. Yeah, I, I would say Giroud gets the most punani. I think what's his name? Um, Castillejo has the air that he gets a lot of bitches. I feel or, like, or maybe a lot of men. But <laughs> I, I think he'd be that guy that like tries too hard to have a big personality because he's short, kind of like me to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I think Castillo pulls because him and Theo once had an interview and they couldn't stop looking at each other and smiling like children. Also, Samo Castillo has a massive dick, man. So I wouldn't be surprised if he's flung that around. That was Matthew, not Jake. Leao probably gets gets bitches yeah. as well. Handsome chap. Yep. The next question comes from your colleague Ronan, and he asks, "Was Steve Staunton the best Irish manager ever discussed?" <laughs> I, 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 bro, I've never heard of him before. The only Irish manager I can think of is Roy Keane, and he's definitely better yeah. than Roy Keane, judging by his CV. But he is hailed online as as the greatest um, Irish manager ever. The next question comes from Richard Carmen. At oh R underscore Carmen on Twitter. Yes. What? The guy from Say uh, Sit Down. The hey. <laughs> great people. Love you guys. Great podcast. Check it out. They're amazing. Um, he asks, is Genoa progressing under Shevchenko? Not at the moment, but they haven't had it easy at all. They've had, you know, they, they should have won certain games, but they had half a team playing. They had Destro out. They had some key players out. Um, they are struggling more to find goals, I feel. I feel like they were higher scoring under the pre- their previous management. So I don't think they're improving much, but I do think that with a young manager coming into a team that's struggling with relegation, then it's going to take time. And unfortunately, time does mean that it's going to be sacrificed yeah. for relegation. They so long-term, have, probably, yeah. but right now, no. They don't have the facilities to... To progress they don't have the time Shevchenko needs time and there's too much pressure you know one slip up as we saw against Spezia and he's out so most likely um, no they haven't progressed and he won't have the time to progress actually and our last question comes from friend of the podcast Zach Shibaras what a guy what a guy Janons. at Zach Shibi one on Twitter he asks, where would you honestly classify this Juventus squad on paper when compared to the rest of the league? I honestly believe that both Inter and Milan have better players. While we are on par with Napoli and Atalanta, I still believe that Juve will finish fourth barring injuries. So, you mind if I start? Go ahead, go ahead. So, I think that um, Juve have a worse team than Napoli and Atalanta, bro. To I be agree, honest with I you, agree. To be honest with you. I think on that, paper. On paper, exactly. Their defense is better than... Atalanta's for sure On paper On paper, yes But their midfield and their attack Are not as good as, as, as theirs In my opinion Yeah, I would say Juve are probably When it comes to individual players This season Especially with the system in place They find themselves ranking like Sixth when it comes to squads I think I think Milan have a better team Inter Napoli Atalanta 
And then Juve are probably there ahead of Roma and Lazio, even though it's quite tight, because I would say that the forward line of Roma and Lazio is occasionally better than Juve's, especially since Juve don't have that number nine. Yeah, that's the thing, right? Juve have a worse striker than many teams in the league. Mm-hmm. Facts, they have Morata, like. Yeah, their wing, their wings are strong, especially Chiesa's side. Dybala is mm. a strong player, so they're offensive midfield. But then you look at holding midfielders, they're tragic. You look, I think Dem and Lobotka, the third and fourth choice for Napoli, would probably the duel stop, at Juve. Yeah, the like duel at, at Juve. Uh-huh. No, it, Juve's midfield has been heavily criticized for years and years and years. Uh-huh. Um, so obviously they, they struggle in that department They don't have a striker um, Their defence has been a bit weird Because Chiellini and Bonucci have been injured Delict has been weird Rugani has been coming in on certain occasions as well I don't know who the starting right back is anymore If Quadrado's a winger yeah. or a right back Playing 4-4-2 Honestly, the, the board has really let Juve down, man When it For comes sure. to you know nine years of dominance And after those nine mm-hmm. years, this is what's left I think on paper, Roma are very, very, very close to Juve. Then I think Lazio... Yeah, then I think Lazio slip up a little bit. Uh Lazio, the defence, definitely shambolic. Um, And even their midfield nowadays, man. Like, individually, okay, they they have midfielders I would start for for Juve, but it doesn't really tick for them. Like, Cataldi, I don't think is better than Locatelli, for example, you know? At all. No, 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 no. (laughs) Definitely not. They need two midfielders, at least, even for rotation. They they need better midfielders than they have, man. But I think we've wrapped it up, man. One hour and 42 minutes later. Not too bad. I don't think so. I think we had another one hour 41. The special with Mint, probably. Probably the special with Mintoff. Guys, I love how many questions we got this time around. I would love it if, if it were like this every week. It's it's great to see people actually engaging with us, having a few comment battles here and there on our Twitter feed. We're here because we want to talk football, and not only with each other, but we want to have chats with you about football. It's, you know, I live in a country where wherever I go, most of the people tend to support teams within the Premier League, at least in my circle. So it's always so refreshing getting to talk about Serie A. And remember, if you want to talk Serie A, at Serie A Spotlight, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok. We're everywhere, guys. Become one of our first hundred followers. Yep. So we're planning a lot of exciting shit towards the end of the season. We'll have big things planned for season two. So as always, stay tuned and we're off to watch Milan against Genoa. Woo woo!